Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. All right. If you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, again, Isaiah chapter 9 tonight. While you're turning there, um, I think probably most of us, um, if not all, I don't know, I don't know for every, every person's sake, uh, but probably most of us have seen the movie or read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, it's uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis wrote it. Um, in this book, um, some have, have compared it to a, to a picture of, of Christ. At, with Aslan the lion being being the Christ figure who who dies and the whole world is restored back to what it should have been, uh, but in this story it begins where there is a curse on the land, uh, and, and we live in a world like that. We live in a world that is cursed from Genesis three, and when Jesus broke into the world, uh, that that curse was. Broken, but at the same time, uh, it's already here, but there's a not yet that we're longing for still. And in the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, this land was cursed. And uh, uh, it, was, it was always snowy. Uh, it was always, in their words, it was always winter, but never Christmas. Always winter. Wouldn't that be miserable to always be? I mean, when, when Amy and I talk, her least favorite month of the year is February, right? <laughs> it's cold. It's wet sometimes. It's just miserable outside. The sun doesn't shine like it, like it does in the warmer months, and, and you're just miserable. But we live in a land that is like that, except we have Christmas. In the land of Narnia, before Aslan came into the land and he did what he did, it was always winter but never Christmas. But we live in the land in the time after Christ's coming. And, and, and we now celebrate the, the time when Jesus came. He came from heaven to earth and lived among human beings just like one of us. Tonight, we're going to look at a text where there was a gloomy land, a gloomy land in which the Lord is telling them this gloomy land has seen a great light and will no longer be like it was under the curse for because unto us a child is born. Let's read our text from Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. But there will no longer, but there will be no gloom in her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has a light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of year in which we remember your coming, the time in which a child was born to us. Lord, help us to have our eyes opened tonight. I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts to hear your word, to see your glory. Lord, that we would hear the voice of our shepherd tonight. Father, help us to rejoice. To rejoice because we live in a land where the curse has been broken and where you reign. Father, help us tonight to understand rightly the time in which we live. Father, give me strength, give me grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It begins here, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. We look back uh, to what we looked at last week uh, in Isaiah 7. Isaiah was talking about how um, Syria and uh, the northern tribes, Ephraim, were, were going to come, uh, they, they wanted to come and attack Judah and Jerusalem. And Isaiah told him, it won't come to pass. It, it, won't, it won't come to pass because before that could ever come to pass, those nations you're worried about, they're going to be destroyed. Assyria is going to come in and wipe them out. And later, he, he, God gives uh, Ahaz, the king, an opportunity to ask for a sign, a sign that he could know and, and he could trust that God was going to be faithful to his promise. Ahaz was the king in Jerusalem. He was of the line of Judah, and he was the one on whom the promises 
were counting on. You see, Ahab, Ahaz was a descendant of David. For all intents and purposes, at that time, intents and purposes, at that time, he was the son of David, the messianic hope. And they were afraid that Assyria or, or the Syrians were going to come and wipe them out. And so he wants to know, how can we trust that God will be faithful to his promises to David? Isaiah, well, the Lord gives Ahaz a sign and says that a virgin would be with child. And he would call his name Emmanuel. This child that is, that is prophesied in chapter 7 is now spoken about again in chapter 9. This child, the one who was called Emmanuel before, is the one who in chapter 9 is going to be called Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. All of those, this is the same child we're talking about. And in the intermediate area, we've got chapter 8, where it's talking about judgment that will be coming upon Israel. They have, they had sin. And God was going to bring judgment upon his people. But in the midst of his judgment, God was going to be faithful to his promises. This promise to David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever was going to be fulfilled. And so now we pick it up in chapter 9. With this judgment that was coming, the land would be gloomy. However, Isaiah now speaks of a time in the future when there would be no gloom for her who was in anguish, Israel. She had been in anguish at the time when she was, when she was being uh, judged when the, when the Assyrians were, were coming. She was in anguish. But Isaiah looks forward. There will be a day when there will be no more gloom. In the former time, earlier, at first, Isaiah says, in the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, those are two of the tribes of Israel. Zebulun and Naphtali, they were the northernmost tribes. And so as Assyria swept in and destroyed Israel in the north, the first ones to experience that would have been those northernmost tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. In the former time, he brought into contempt Zebulun and Naphtali, but in later times, ah, he's looking to something in the future. It may be judgment that, has, that God has brought to Israel in the moment, but he's looking forward to a future time. In later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. This land that is there beyond the Jordan. This land that he calls Galilee of the nations. Or Galilee of the Gentiles. You know a man who was from Galilee. He grew up in a little town called Nazareth of Galilee. 
Isaiah, he speaks to these people who are experiencing gloom, experiencing the judgment of God, but he looks forward to a time when this very land on which this judgment has been coming is going to be the very land that is the first to see the Messiah coming in Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus' ministry began in that area, as Caleb read. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he went to Galilee. And it quotes this very passage. It tells us in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. On those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. In the northern part, there was a lot of mixture because that was the first land that was, was defeated by the Assyrians. You know, you had the intermarrying of the people that had been left behind with, with Gentiles. So you had Samaritans and, and uh, many Gentile cities there in the north, in the land of Galilee. And you had people who did not know the Lord. They were in darkness. There were Gentile cities in this land. They were in darkness and did not know the Lord. But it was on them that there was the first ones to experience the ministry of Jesus that was coming in. And that light was shining upon them. I think this, this is also something we can think about in terms of missions. Those areas where Christ's name has not been named. Those places where you can go and you can find people who have never heard the name of Jesus. Some call it a 1040 window between the 10th and the 40th parallel. Over in Asia and Africa and over in that area where massive amounts of people, much more than a majority, have never even heard Jesus' name. That's spiritual darkness. When Jesus comes, he shines a light on that spiritual darkness where there was a curse that we experienced before, where it was always winter. We now have Christmas. The next verse, he says, you have multiplied the nation and have increased their joy. You rejoiced, they rejoiced before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. We, we, we think of, of the, the other prophecies that Isaiah gave. It was gloomy. When we think back to just a few chapters earlier, I preached earlier in the year on, on Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah's calling to ministry. In Isaiah chapter 6, God tells him, go and preach to these people. They're not going to listen to you. And Isaiah asks, how long? And he says, until the cities lay waste and without inhabitant. It's going to be empty. There's not going to be any people left because the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to wipe everybody out. It's going to be empty. But here, this very land, the Lord is telling them, you have multiplied a nation. The Lord, in the spite of them being wiped out, he has multiplied the nation. He's brought his people back from the dead. 
And they have rejoiced with joy as of the harvest. That is the time. You know, you put all your labor in, all the, all, all the planting time and all, all the fertilizing and all the, all the, uh, the, the um, um, pesticides and all the labor that you put into the farming and the joy comes at the harvest, right? Whenever you get to harvest everything and you get to have the income on that and rejoice. as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad as when they divide the spoil. They go, going in like, like in battle array. Going in, and they're, they're like whenever they defeated Jericho. Of course, they weren't supposed to take any spoil then, weren't they? But when they were going in and conquering the land, dividing the spoil, they had joy. No longer small and insignificant no longer people that were wiped out, but now God has multiplied the nation and he has given them joy. Verse four, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. His people were oppressed a burden of oppression upon their shoulders. And here Isaiah speaks of being released from oppression. The, the, the yoke was broken upon their neck, uh, just as in the day of Midian. Now, what is this day of Midian? We think back here to Judges. Judges in the story of Gideon. You know the story of Gideon? Where Gideon was called to go uh, and lead his people against Midian. Um, in Judges, we have this cycle where the people sin and the Lord delivers them over to an enemy and the enemy uh, oppresses them for a time and then the people cry out to the Lord and they repent and then God sends them a deliverer, a judge, who then delivers them. And as Gideon delivered them from the hand of Midian, who was their oppressor, they had all kinds of soldiers who were ready to go and fight. And God says, no, it's too many, right? Too many. Anybody that's afraid, anybody that doesn't want to go out to, to battle, you go home. So a bunch of them go home. And God says, it's still too many. So... He tells them, go and drink from the river. And the ones who drink one way, send them home. The ones who drink the other way, that's who we'll go to battle with. I think it was 300 that he had left. Only 300 of going up against thousands. And what did they have? They had a jar and a torch. All they had. And as they went out, they shouted for the Lord and for Gideon. They busted their jars, and the other side got so scared, they killed one another and ran off. Here, Isaiah is saying, the yoke of his burden is broken. The staff that was on his shoulder oppressing him, it's broken. The rod of his oppressor is broken. You've broken them as on the day at Midian, not through might or strength, 
but by the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 5, For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood, will be burned as fuel for the fire. There will be no more war. You need trampling boots for battle. You need, well, the result of those battles are garments that are just stained in blood. There's no need for those things anymore. They're now all thrown into the fire and burned for fuel because there will no longer be any war. Isaiah speaks of a day that we think of and think, we're not there yet, are we? But we are. There, there is an already not yet way of Scripture. There, there's an already in the sense that Jesus has broken into the world. And he is our king. And all of our enemies, sin, death, the ones that can really kill us, the ones that can really hurt us, are now defeated. They are defeated enemies. And yet we live in a time where it's not yet all that it appears to be. Because we look forward to a time when he's coming again. He's coming with the clouds and he'll come and every enemy will be put under his feet. There will no longer be any war. There will no longer be any famine. There will no longer be any pain when he comes again. We, we see this depiction, this story of a land that was gloomy, that was under oppression, that was, under, uh, that was um, in darkness, and it now is filled with light, it is now has the oppression broken. They have joy that they did not have before. What is it that brought this people from gloom to joy? We see in verse 5. For every boot of the... I'm sorry, verse 6. I, my eyes skipped. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The end of war, the end of famine, the end of all of those things, it does not come about through political power. It does not come about through a great king other than King Jesus. No. That comes about through the birth of a baby. For unto us a child is born. Unto us. A son is given. This child is unlike other children. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. He will carry the weight of governments. He will rule all the earth. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The idea of counsel has the idea of wisdom and strategy. And there is, he has wonderful counsel. Something beyond what human beings could ever fathom. 
No person could ever fathom what God has done in order to defeat our enemy. Sin and Satan. God himself, in the wisdom that he has, came up with a plan to send his own son to die in our place. That is a wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. This baby born will be called Mighty God. This is more than just any baby. It wasn't, it couldn't have been just some, some random baby born in Isaiah's time. No, it had to look forward to the Messiah that was to come who would be God in the flesh. As John tells us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is, it says, everlasting father. Now, I don't want to confuse the persons of the Trinity. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But even Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus, in the Hebrew mindset, a father was one that was a benefactor, who was one who cared for his people. In a kingly sense, caring for his people. And Jesus fills that role. He's a benevolent father to us. And the prince of peace. One day he will come and he really will put an end to all wars. Right now, he is the prince of peace in the hearts of those who trust in him. There is a war going on in each one of us. A war with sin. A war with shame and guilt. And trusting in Jesus, he is the prince of peace that puts an end to all of that. Where we find forgiveness and reconciliation with God. Verse 7 Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He will just continue to expand and expand and expand and expand and expand. What did Jesus tell us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as the gospel is being proclaimed throughout the earth, to the ends of the earth, His name is being proclaimed and more and more and more and more people of every tribe and every tongue and every nation are bowing their knee to Jesus Christ. And they are bowing their knee to the Lord, the King of kings above all other kings. On the throne of David. See, this tells us where this is all getting at. How can Isaiah be so confident in this? This this prophecy, how can he be so confident in this prophecy? Because of God's promise to David. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He's pointing back to that. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it. 
in, in justice and in righteousness from this time forth and forever. He's talking about a kingdom that a son of David will rule over that will last forever. And what did David have? What did the Lord promise David back in chapter in seven, chapter seven of Second Samuel? He would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. The Lord will be faithful to his promise. He made it to David. And as Ahaz and the people of Israel were, were struggling because it was, it was, uh, they were under the judgment of God. They wanted to know, how can we know that God will be faithful to his promises? Isaiah points them to a child that would be born. God would be faithful to his promises to David. Isaiah finishes with, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Lord is zealous for his namesake. He will keep his promises. He will move heaven and earth. In fact, he became a little baby in a manger because of the zeal of the Lord of armies. He will do this. It won't come by human engineering of circumstances. It won't come by military power. It won't come through politics. But it came through a baby that was born in a little out-of-the-way place called Bethlehem. Are you oppressed? Maybe not politically. Maybe you do feel some sense of oppression. I mean, we do live in Illinois. <laughs> but our sin that keeps us down, that rod of oppression of our sin will be broken. It is broken because of a baby that was born in Bethlehem. Do you feel gloom and darkness and depression <laughs> on you a light has shone Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem we no longer have to live in the land where it's always winter and never Christmas the light has shown for a baby was born. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.